0: today on the zabe cast not to complain but two full hours into the much anticipated Game of Thrones season 8 finale not a single important character has been killed let's step it up writers Thursday's round one choose him up once again hinges on the quarterback position all that plus here comes the website humanorgans.com bonus one percent zabe is locked and loaded so buckle up and let's go here we go Monday, April 22nd, 2019, welcome to Draft Week, and yes, welcome me back from vacation. I welcome you back to the land of the free podcast. That's right, you're not getting charged anything for this one today. For those of you who are subscribers to ZabeCast Premium, you got my musings from the rental car, not five days last week, but four I gave myself Friday off. And then I said, you know what, I'll do it later on on Friday. And then later on I said, nah, fuck it, I'm on vacation. All this shit I had lined up to talk about, it's not going anywhere. I'll talk about it for Monday's podcast. And here I am right now. Before we get too far along, you knew this one was coming, didn't you? Yes, you did. My Game of Thrones episode two, final season number eight recap is going to be very, very brief. Nothing happens. Part two. <laughs> do, doodolo, do, doodolo, do. Oh, I'm sorry. Arya gets sex for the first time in her brief life, in her young life, and it, it and it looks like it's going to be the last time. Hell of a way to go, huh? You finally say, you know, I'm probably going to die, so. You want a bone, Gendry? Sure! The only suspense that was really in the episode for me was when they showed Arya turning aside wide awake as Gendry laid there just, oh my god, I can't believe I just had sex with Arya Stark right here in Winterfell. He's asleep or passed out or whatever. She turns away and I almost paused my DVR to go, well, any good? Other than that, not a damn thing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Make something happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I'm not complaining. The show is still great. I still enjoy it. I have no theories on who's going to kill whom, what's going to happen. They're all out there. There's podcast upon podcast that deals in this shit. I'm not going to deal with it. I don't care what happens. I have no theories. I don't want to be right. I don't play that game. If you do, wonderful. That's part of being a fan of a TV show. I just want something to fucking happen. It seems like the the producers of the show... Could have saved a lot of money, although apparently all the money was spent on the upcoming battle scene for Winterfell, which I hope starts next week. If they stretch this out one more episode without giving us somebody's head getting split open, preferably uh, John Tarly or or John Tarly, The, the, the fat guy, Tarly, the Tarly boy, the Tarly boy that I hate. Either his head getting split open or a trident coming right through his chest from behind, which of course you know is not going to happen. Samwell. Samwell Tarly. (laughs) Somebody better get their head split open right quick. Starting next week. Let's go. Because I don't care what happens. I just want something to happen. And that's how I've always been with the show. See, the show used to move very fast. And a lot of things would happen every single week. A ton of shit would happen that you don't understand. And you have to then think about it, rewatch it, or better yet, do all three and go on the internet and look up some answers. Now, the show in the last two episodes has ground to a halt where nothing is happening, and yet they're explaining everything to you as if you were a child. Do you understand? Oh, here's two people that hated each other. They wanted to kill each other. Now they're, they're, they're talking to each other maybe one last time. There's goodbye kisses. There is, you know, the obligatory woke feminist promotion of good old Brienne of Tarth to knighthood and the and the pride swelling up in her eyes yeah you're a knight why can't a white walker icicle if a white walker icicle had right as soon as she stood up after Jamie had knighted her and her eyes are all filled and moist with proud, pride and joy, and amazement that this had finally come in her long career of cutting people in half as a giant girly man, and I mean that with all due respect, because she is a girly man, or a manly girl, whatever. If a white walker icicle came flying right through her chest at that moment, I would have stood up. I would have cheered as loud as good old giant Torbane, Tor- Torment Tormund Giants Bane, who now we know how he got his name. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I would have. Oh, how can you say that? That's so awful. Why would you want that? I want something to happen. Anything, preferably. Just let's go. We don't have time for this, okay? And there it is. Your six-minute recap of episode two, final season number eight of Game of Thrones. Nothing happens once again, once again, once again. Oh, I want more Cersei, too. Lena Lena Headey, so fucking... <laughs> Get me? Okay, there's your Game of Thrones recap right there. Now, if I could talk about a problem I have here on the ZabeCast, and that is uh, I saw my mother and my father and my family on Sunday evening for Easter brunch, dinner, egg celebration. It was wonderful. Very blessed that you know I have all my family for the most – all my family, really – uh, alive and healthy and and in good spirits and no feuds, willing to sit down and break bread and it's a great, it's a great evening. But uh my mom had to remind me. Oh, I listen to you every day on the podcast. You're so funny, Steven. Oh no. That's right, my mom. My mom's a subscriber. It was it then dawned on me. I guess I don't want my mom listening to me talk about Game of Thrones and wanting to an ice spear to come right through the back of one of the most beloved female lead characters in the show? what well, what's my mom going to think of me if that's the case? It dawned on me, this is my mom's way of saying, without saying, you should call your mother more often. <laughs> and I'm going to definitely do that. Now, will it be enough to knock her off listening to this podcast? I don't know. She might still listen to it anyway. Which is fine. Thank you, Mom, if you're listening. You know, a mother loves her boy. That's that you can't you can't take that out of them. Okay. Uh how about some sports, everybody? Would you like to talk some sports? Of course. Let's talk some sports. Let's talk about my capitals, who came through with a resounding six nothing whooping of the Carolina hurricanes on Saturday night. The nights all blend into one another. This was a huge game, and it was great to see because Carolina was out shooting the Caps, but the Caps were just going, okay, yeah, all right, that's fine, nice shot, nice shot, we got it, and bam, counterpunch, boom. Backstrom has been a monster in this series. The penalty kill was relentless. You can see why they got this guy Carl Hagelin, formerly of the Rangers, formerly of the Pittsburgh Penguins, speedy little mf'er totally messes up other teams' power play opportunities because he can get to all these passes at the point that teams are used to operating with uh, pretty much unopposed out there near the blue line. And Hagelin gets out there, he forces pressure on him, he forces passes quicker than they should be, he deflects a lot of pucks, he is an absolute terror. Now this comes a day after T.J. Oshie was knocked out, likely for the rest of the playoffs. And this sucks because Oshi was one of my favorite capitals before I had the good fortune to play golf with him a couple years ago and he was such a good dude on the course which this is what hockey players are they're just they're just the best down to earth guys you'll ever meet for the most part and then afterwards you know he was so instrumental last year in the caps run to the cup that to see him Out for the season on a bullshit, weak-ass, yes, dirty hit by this guy Fogle. And all I could think of was Fogle from Superbad. Fucking idiot Fogle McLovin. What kind of name is that? Stupid Fogle. (laughs) Fuckle. He was calling him all these names. God, Jonah Hill was so good in Superbad. Whole movie was great. So... Yeah, this guy Fogle for Carolina. No further discipline from the league. I said it was a dirty hit, and it was. But on a scale of one to dirty, let's say 10 being Donald Brashear swinging his stick and crushing the head of, oh, who was it that he whacked the head of? Let's just say the Donald Brashear stick swinging at contact to the head was a 10 on dirty hits. This was like a two or a three. It was a cheap little dirty hit with Oshi near the boards but not exactly right on him, and he fell and he went head first, and he sustained an upper body injury, quote-unquote. Which immediately, you see the way he skated off holding his arm, you're thinking, well, that's a broken arm or a, a busted elbow or he's tore 17 ligaments in his wrist and is not going to be able to hold his toothbrush for 10 days. Or... As we now find out, I think the last story I read was a broken clavicle. Had surgery to repair a broken broken clavicle. Knowing hockey players and knowing Oshie because he's as tough as they come, despite having that pretty face of his, hell, he might be back later on. Who knows? Maybe. Doubt it. We'll see. But thank God they won Game 3. Or excuse me, Game 5. To take a 3 games to 2 lead because i was thinking to myself boy if you know we lose oshi to this bs you know hit from behind they had a two nothing lead in the series they would have blown a two nothing lead and then if they had lost that game on saturday night then they could have gone on to lose the series let's say they get bounced in the first round and let's say that the islanders with our stanley cup winning coach that our owner did not want to pay top market dollar to, and so he let him resign and walk out the door for a new deal in Long Island. What if we had to watch the Islanders go to the Stanley Cup Finals with our coach after we blow a 2-0 series lead, lose our star player to a BS hit? I said on Twitter this would mean we are back to full caps normal, which several capital jihadis, of course, took offense to. Man, you caps... Jihadists need to settle the fuck down. You really do. I'm not saying that I'm going to rip them. I'm not saying I'm just, oh, you'll be back on the bandwagon though. If they win, I'm not off the bandwagon. I'm never off of it. Why do I got to defend my fanhood? And I'm not saying I'm going to rip them upside up one side and down the other on the radio. I'm just going to say, well, shit, that sucks. Losing a star player to a bad hit, blowing a 2 nothing series lead, getting bounced the first round, and then watching our coach from last year take his new team to the Stanley Cup Finals? Yeah, that's, that's so caps. Guess we're back to being who we are. Yeah, but we won the Stanley Cup last year. That means things have changed forever. Well, they can never take it away. I don't know if it means things have changed forever. I do sense, though, that the way that they won that game... With that kind of a beating. And I heard the national announcers on the broadcast say, that's the Caps' championship poise right there. The way they're playing. (laughs) I'm like, that's great. (laughs) They're talking about us having championship poise. National announcers. And guess what? They're not wrong either. They're not wrong. And cult hero Devontae Smith-Pelly, one of just a handful of African-American, although he's Afro-Canadian, I believe, uh, one of the handful of few black players in the NHL, journeyman guy who was just huge for the Caps in the playoffs last year in the Stanley Cup Finals, cut this year because he just, he wasn't any good, was brought back after the Oshi injury and gave the team a huge lift. That was awesome to see. So it's all good for now in Caps land. We'll check in with you after game number f- six on Monday night. Oh, and... uh One more thing about the caps and, oh, what was my one more thing about the the Capitals? Oh, yeah, I watched it on my my tablet in my hotel room using the NBC Sports app. I did have to log on to my AT&T slash DirecTV portal to prove, you know, email and password, email and password, that yes, I pay for DirecTV so now I can watch it streaming on my iPad, which I did. In my hotel room in St. Petersburg. Not a bad way to go. And I didn't lose reception the whole time. And a hockey game is hard to watch because of a lot of small little artifacts. you got to try to follow the puck. It's, it's not like watching a baseball game on your iPad. Worked out great. So there you go. Let's go Caps. Hashtag let's go Do you hear that Caps Jihadis? Let's go Caps. I'm not rooting against them. Jesus. Settle down. NFL draft is coming up on Thursday, and I am very much looking forward to it. I am not one of these people that likes to try to show how cool I am or or pose as if I am cooler than everyone else by saying this is the most overrated thing in all of sports. Wilbon, now that's a guy that plays that card. Wilbon owns that corner of the sports internet. The, yeah, yeah, NFL draft, who cares, NBA playoffs are going on. This year's draft's going to be very interesting because it has a number of wild cards. And I did like how, in the last week, let's say, the Arizona Cardinals made sure to tell anyone they could, hey, you know, we're not necessarily taking Kyler Murray number one. Because they clearly thought that any leverage in a deal for Josh Rosen was slipping away, if not bleeding out and they also felt like someone was going to come in and you know steal them from them just basically pay it you know a second or a third rounder for Rosen and say thanks a lot suckers and walk out the door so the question now becomes cuz i think there is a there is a somewhat less than 1% chance that the Arizona Cardinals truly does not take truly does that the Arizona Cardinals truly do not take Kyler Murray number one slash number one, and they take somebody else. It That possibility exists, I believe it's less than 1%. So now the question becomes, do they have the balls to take him and throw him into the bucket with Josh Rosen still on the roster? Now they could trade Rosen, of course, after the draft at any time. I'm not sure how that would play out leverage-wise. The Cardinals would like to know if they're going to get a pick in this year's draft. Well, first of all, if they're going to trade Rosen, you should trade him now before this year's draft and demand that whoever gives you something gives it to you now, not next year. Remember, a bird tomorrow a hamburger tomorrow is not nearly not nearly worth as much as a hamburger today. So, you want to get production out of whatever pick you get from somebody or picks plural now. If possible. So there is pressure this week to get a trade done. I still think my Redskins are going to acquire Josh Rosen. I think it's going to be for a second and a third. One of them will be this year. The other one will be next year. I don't know which one. And maybe a sweetener thrown in. Something like a sixth rounder if, it, if that's what it takes. I think it's going to happen. Even though the speculation has cooled on that as of now. The other team that apparently is now swirling. And this is going to be fun to watch as we are finally down to it, is the New York Giants. The New York Giants have stuck by Eli Manning at least for one more year. But they want to bring in his successor. And they are definitely circling like a shark in the water for somebody, possibly anybody, to be that next guy. What about Dwayne Haskins? Is Dwayne Haskins falling or is he holding steady? Could he be rising? I haven't heard that as of yet. Daniel Jones suddenly now, the big kid out of Duke, is being talked about and hyped up. Some are saying the Redskins at 15 may take him there. For the record, one last time, I don't want to trade for Rosen because he ain't that dude. And I don't want to take a quarterback at 15. Here's why. Any quarterback who lasts to number 15, not good enough. He ain't the dude. Sorry. You can go back in history and go, Well, Aaron, we could have had Aaron Rodgers at 15. Could have had Russell Wilson at 15. Could have had Tom Brady at 15. Could have had all kinds of guys at 15. Nah, this crop ain't the crop. Next year's crop. And the crop after that with Miss Sunshine. Miss Sunshine. Mr. Sunshine down there at Clemson. Sit tight. I want to take the best edge rusher possible. I don't want a wide receiver and I definitely don't want DK Stiffcalf. The workout warrior, the shirtless wonder. No. Give me another defensive player, edge rusher. That's what I want. I know, it's boring. We don't get our quarterback in the future. But that guy, I don't think is in this year's draft and I don't think that guy's Rosen either. So there you go, my thoughts on the draft. But it's going to be fun this week because there is actually a lot of uncertainty as to how this is going to play out. Speaking of the draft, one more thing on that. (laughs) I saw where uh, apparently Mike Mayock has sent home the scouting staff for the Oakland Raiders so that they would be confident in this critical final week. Nobody would be able to access the team's draft board on the wall at their facility in their super secure, guarded by lasers and retinal scanners like some Tom Cruise movie, Draft Room. Are you kidding me? I think a team could actually tweet their actual draft board and it would not matter. In fact it may help a team because think about it this way so let's say let's say everyone knows exactly where you value certain players okay great are you then as a team going to say ooh we're picking right ahead of the raiders and we had our eyes set on linebacker jim football he's our guy out of southern state Old Jim Football, we want to draft him. He's best. But I noticed that the Raiders in the tweet they sent out of their, here's our official draft board. Anyone who wants to see it, go ahead. They like Johnny Tackle, who's a defensive end from Northern University. And I'm just making fictional names up in case you don't know that already. Is the team right in front of the Raiders going to go, ha, 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 Ah, watch this. We're not even in the Raiders conference. We're in the NFC, not even in their division, but we're going to fuck with them. We're, we're taking Johnny tackle. That's right. That's our guy. We got Johnny tackle. What you going to do now? Raiders. Uh, Hey boss. Didn't we want Jimmy football instead? I thought he was our guy. Thought he fit our needs. No yeah, no no no, no time for that. The Raiders were dumb enough to tweet out their draft board. We're going to fuck with them. We're going to take their guy. Now, I know what you're going to say. You say, "Zabe, you're being ridiculous. You're oversimplifying it." And of course, you don't want to tip your hand as to who you like because later on in the second and third rounds, when other teams are saying, "Ooh, they also have this guy, you know, pretty high up there." we want to take him first, then that could hurt the Raiders. Okay, it could. But guess what? Let's say the Raiders have a player on their draft board who is who they rate as a second rounder. Another team really likes that player, but they only have him rated as a third rounder. It's possible the other team would see your draft board, know that you like that guy, and then frantically start throwing picks at you to trade places because they've got to go up and get that guy. And let's say that even though, yeah, this guy is listed uh, as our second-round pick and this is kind of who we'd like to target, we're not totally in love with him. We also love this player, this player, and this player. So if Team B is going to give us two extra second-rounders to move up, fuck, come get him. In that case... Tweeting out your draft board could actually help you. Net-net is, it doesn't fucking matter. Every team is wrapped up in their own shit. They're worried about supplementing their own team. But it does make for great chatter. It does make for great hype about, oh, yes, so secretive. The Raiders have sent their scouts home. They've locked the draft room. They're not going to let any leaks get out of their building. To which I say, why don't you not put it up on the board? Like, why don't you just put it on someone's laptop, maybe an Excel spreadsheet, put a password on it. Maybe they put a password on the folder that's got the thing that's password protected. You you know, Mayock could be the only guy that has it. Just let him have it. He'd be the only guy. Then you don't have to worry about who walked in. The maid, the janitor, some dude off the street, that idiot. Mark Davis. Oops, sorry. He's the owner. Yeah, that way n- nobody knows what your board really is. Or or make the board totally scrambled, make the board totally wrong, and then using secret markings in the back of your little board template name things. You you then go in right before the draft and you switch it all back. ah ha ha! Here's our real. Draft order. By the way, your friendly reminder, none of these people, and by these people I mean the NFL intelligentsia, the coaches, the scouts, the talent evaluators, none of them have any better idea as to who's going to actually be good than you or I. It's all a crapshoot. It's all a guess. Maybe they're a tiny bit better. A tiny bit better. But otherwise, they make the same dumb mistakes, overhyping guys, overvaluing guys, falling victim to the moment of, oh, I got to get this guy, as any other person sitting on his couch. But it's a fun show to watch, and Thursday night, we'll see how it all goes down, at least the first round. Okay, some quick hitters here on a bunch of other stuff I've yet to get to. Tim Anderson, shortstop. Chicago White Sox, bat flipping, bat flipping, bat throwing. He ends up getting plunked for his bat toss. Uh, A little to-do ensues. Then he gets thrown out and the pitcher gets thrown out as well. And this was a big talking point, I believe on Friday in the industry. And of course it now goes to the culture wars of, hey man, this guy Anderson is a rare breed. He is a American-born black player who loves baseball and says he wants to be the Russell Westbrook of baseball. And the commissioner, Fred, Man- Fred Manfra, Manfred keep calling him Fred. Fred Manfra was the longtime radio voice of the Baltimore Orioles. I think he just retired, or maybe it was Joe Angel that just retired. One of the two. Rob Manfred, commissioner, Major League Baseball, basically said, I think a year ago or or last postseason, two postseasons ago, hey, let the kids play. And MLB and all of their marketing stuff started including more and more bat flips, more and more strutting, more and more showing up the other team if you're a hitter. And some are saying this is absolutely what baseball needs, that there has been too much suppressed, okay, hit a home run, let's put my head down and run real fast, make sure I'm not showing anyone up, okay, okay, I got lucky there, I I did hit that one to the moon, but I'm just going to run around the bases. Others are saying, well, here's the problem. Once you start saying, yeah, have fun, bat flip, show people up, showboat, stunt on fools, It ain't got no end. Today's bat flip loses its fresh chewing gum flavor as an exciting thing, and someone has to take it to the next level. Before you know it, guys who hit home runs are going to ride their bat like a pony around the bases as if they're a cowboy doing the lasso thing. Woohoo! And some would say, fine, let them. If you don't like it, strike them out next time. Others would say, hey, if the pitcher wants to do a bit of a dance, go crazy. He should be able to do that as well. What's the harm? It's fun. It's sports. Let guys show their emotions. Carlos Zambrano used to do that for the Cubs. He used to have a very exaggerated punch out, not quite dance, but kind of a punch out signature move after he struck a dude out. There's nothing wrong with it in theory. If it stays, I should say, in perspective. But Tim Anderson bat flipping like that on a Wednesday game, Tuesday game in April, eh, I don't know, man. Well, you got to leave something else for later on in case, you know, you're in an actual big game, like a pennant race game in September or, God forbid, a postseason game. In October. What what are you going to do at that point? The other thing about baseball is that it's a game that humbles you. And so while right now, Tim Anderson might be hitting the shit out of the ball, at some point he might face, he might be staring down, smack dab the face of a dry spell, the likes of Chris Davis of the Orioles. What what good then is emotion going to do for him when he is not hitting? it would probably only make it worse. You'd just get more and more pissed off and frustrated. And that's why they tend to say in baseball, because the game is so humbling, you know, keep your head down, stay humble, and act like you've been there before. Act with class. I'm not sure there's an easy answer to this. I don't mind a little bit of flair, but at times, and I know that it gets out of hand easily. And also there's this, guys are doing it on plays that they should be hustling on. Bryce Harper recently turned a stand-up double into a, I've got to slide now to beat the tag double, because he stood and paused and stared at his shot for a little bit and then said, oh shit, that's not going out of the park and had to run. And I know it it makes you sound totally nerdy and like old man yelling at clouds to complain about this, But Phil Mushnick, who is that old man, shaking his fist at the clouds, complaining about this over and over and over and over again, points out that, you know what? Bryce Harper gets hurt sliding into second. That's because he didn't run from the moment the ball left the bat. And that's bad baseball. Oh, it's not cool, it's nerdy, but it's not good baseball, it's not smart. So... I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how baseball is going to react to all this because Tim Anderson is taking it to the next level. And the bat flipping ain't going to stop. And the bean balling by other guys who are still old school who say, fuck that shit, man. Act like a pro. That too is probably not going to stop anytime soon. Stay tuned. Quick golf note. So I'm back home. I've got my DVR. With the Masters Sunday final round on it, I can't wait to watch it again. I talked to my boy Cowboy Mike about this. I said, "Where were you watching it?" He goes, oh, "I was watching it at home when it happened. I was a nervous wreck." He's become a bit of a Tiger fanboy. I'm sort of sad to see. He asked me. I said, "He said, were you rooting for Tiger?" I go, "Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was fine with. I was pulling for him. What the heck?" I had to explain though. The problem with Tiger winning is that it brings out of the woodwork all the non-golfing hooplehead fans and opinions about Tiger Woods that are, are at times a bit hard for me to stomach. That's all. But then again, that's what sports is. You, you, you get into it, you have fun, you have your takes about Tiger, and, and you go on with yourself. He said, though, watching it the second time was a lot more fun because he knew all the guys he did not have to worry about. He made some good points as well, saying, listen to the broadcast – Basically, Ian Baker, Finch, and Faldo were hanging the green jacket on Tiger as soon as he stepped to the 17th tee. And he couldn't believe they were doing that. I said, bro, exactly what I thought, right then and there. They are way ahead of themselves because Kepka kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. That said, I saw a tweet, I believe, from Golf Digest or someone else like that, that showed – Francesco Molinari doing that weird warm-up move on the range where he squats. He takes his backswing real slow, and then he starts his downswing real slow while doing an exaggerated squat, and then he speeds up a swing and hops. He hops off the ground. And the tweet said, Find out how Francesco Molinari added 19.3 yards to his tee shots. In three years doing this move. And I said, three years? Sucker. He should have just picked up a golf digest because every month they have on their cover, gain 20 yards overnight. Why would you wait three years? Just pick up a magazine. You pick up a magazine, take a tip, golf magazine, golf digest. Oh, I just gained 20 yards with this simple tip. And then go buy a new driver because all the manufacturers say you'll, you'll gain 20 yards with this new driver. There's 20 plus 20 is 40. Hell, I should be hitting the ball now 687 yards in the air on average. That's before roll by all of the golf magazine tips that I've read that say gain 20 yards overnight overnight. Sylvia Hatchell is out as the head women's basketball coach at North Carolina. Hall of Fame head women's basketball coach at North Carolina. All of this because of multiple reports by parents of students there, parents of players there who say she ran them, their, their kids and their players, through injuries and back on the DL. Because she thought they were soft, also had some insensitive, racially insensitive and abusive language towards players as well. Look, I have not, I didn't even know who Sylvia Hatchell was until she got fired. First picture I saw of her, and I hate to judge a cover by it hate to judge a book by its cover, but my first thought was oh Jesus, Sergeant Slaughter. I bet she is not fun to play for. But hey, her methods worked. Worked in terms of winning. Or, alternate thought, North Carolina was just able to recruit a lot of really good women's college basketball players because they wanted to go play where basketball mattered. And that average replacement coach who was not an abusive see you next Tuesday See, I've got to spell it out like that because mom is listening to the Zabecast. Ma! God, I'd love to call Sylvia Hatchell what she deserves to be called, assuming that these reports are true. I mean, that's the most insane thing. It's one thing to say, oh, she's being mean to me. She's saying things that hurt my feelings, or she said things that were racially insensitive. Put all that aside. You send a player who's recovering from a knee injury out there, And you run them in sprints and they re-injure their knee and then they're done for the season? That's fucking idiotic right there. That should get your ass fired, Hall of Fame or no Hall of Fame. But yeah, Sylvia Hatchell. Nice coach. Nice career. What happens to the Hall of Fame then? Are they going to say we've got to take her out? Because, you know, racial sensitivity is all the rage. The first ever 3D printed heart, human heart, made out of actual living cells has been achieved. Absolutely fucking amazing. But then again, something that I read about five years ago, maybe 10, talked about on my show. And it's an and, and the actual first of all this printed heart, it doesn't work, and it's smaller than a actual human heart. I think it they said they made a replica of a human heart using actual cells and tissues, and a three D medical printer. So they assembled this thing using a a printer that squirted out living cells that organized into a actual human heart. A replica of the human heart that was scaled down to the size of a rabbit. And also, this is important to note, didn't actually work. Like they're still trying to figure out how to make the heart then have the muscles respond and to pump and contract and do the things they need to do for it to be a working heart. But as I've said about every robot that you see a video of on Twitter... This is the worst 3D-printed human heart we're ever going to have. They're only going to get better from here forward. And that's both an amazing thing and a frightening thing as you start to think about the ramifications of, okay, let's fast-forward 20 years or 30 years, and we can now print human hearts using spare material, spare cells, spare whatever, and just throw a brand new heart into somebody. How much is that going to cost? Is it covered in your HMO? Who gets one? How big can they be? How fast can they be? Can you have elective heart surgery? Let's say you've got a perfectly good heart for the most part, but you want a super heart because you're an athlete. You want like a secretariat heart. And there's some lab that specializes in building super hearts. And for a price, they don't accept insurance, but for a price, they'll print you a heart that was larger and pumps blood better and more efficiently than your actual currently operating heart. What are the ethics of that? How will we test for that when it comes to sports? How will we adjudicate, well, you you can't have a guy as an athlete, he's got to... He's got a su- supercharged 3D printed heart, for God's sakes. It's a hell of a thing, though. All right, that'll do it for me today. It's great to be back in the saddle again. Nothing happened, nothing happened. Sorry for that six-minute Game of Thrones review. I know many of you do not watch the show, have never watched the show, and are not going to watch the show. So hopefully you skipped through it. Or better yet, hopefully I was entertaining enough that ah, you stuck with me anyway. Again, that'll do it for me today. Good to be back in the saddle. Big week ahead. Draft on Thursday. A lot of rumors and lies and skulldudgery is coming up in the next couple of days, and I can't wait to chronicle all of it as we head towards Thursday. Hockey playoffs in full swing. NBA playoffs getting good as well. So we've got plenty to talk about as springtime is here, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.